Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Jesse Janay, co-founder and CEO at Lumi. Now, Lumi is the packaging partner behind the world's most popular e-commerce brands, from Casper and Brandless to Outdoor Voices and FabFitFun. In the episode, Jesse and I talk about what it's taken to launch a company like Lumi, working with some of the biggest e-commerce brands, and most notably, how they've been thinking about sustainability when it comes to packaging. As online shopping increases, this means more packaging and a higher shipping footprint. So it's really interesting to hear about how Jesse has prioritized this type of thinking across the entire Lumi feature stack. So without further ado, I'm so excited for you guys to hear our conversation with Jesse Janay, co-founder and CEO at Lumi. Jesse, let's jump right in. What is Lumi? So at Lumi, I'm in the exciting world of packaging. So Lumi is a platform that helps brands source and manage all of their custom manufactured packaging. So our customers are usually e-commerce brands and they need everything from like custom printed boxes to tissue paper to stickers, like all that unboxing stuff. And um, they can get it all through our website. So you don't hear too many people who operate in the industry. So I'd love to rewind just a little bit. What is the story pre-Lumi and what's the Eureka moment? Pre-Lumi is like so much time. I, know, I feel like people see me online and they're like, she looks pretty young-ish. So th- it surprised them that there's like 10 years of other stuff <laughs> that I was like doing before this. And I, so my co-founder, Steph, and I ran a business before this, which was actually a product that we had created and launched on Kickstarter way back in 2009. Before that, I actually ran uh, a company as a teenager printing t-shirts and stuff. And so the moment before this is like, my co-founder Stefan and I running a business where we had all of the stress of trying to launch a product, bring it to everyone. And we were we were doing all these things. We were sourcing packaging, looking for fulfillment centers, haggling on, you know, pick and pack rates, like everything under the sun. And I think we learned the pain of how hard that is by doing it ourselves. And we saw that one of the least supported elements of that experience of starting a product company was sourcing and managing the custom manufactured things that we found ourselves having to order. So you're dealing with these pains firsthand. And then what's the aha? Like, oh, let's, so let's do this. You, you're like, give me more aha. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> I, you're like, dial it up. Okay. So basically... It was, I think the pain was definitely us feeling like, oh, this is a, this is an issue, but you're correct. It didn't make us feel like we got to solve this like right now. There is a funny aha moment that I can remember where I was running. I don't, I don't even oftentimes mention what the product was with this previous company, but it was a photographic fabric dye that we were selling to the DIY market. I've had many lives. Like I like sold that product in HSN and have done all sorts of weird stuff. So in any case, we're selling that product and and it was such a niche product, right? Like our diehard, imagine like what a diehard fan of a photographic fabric dye is, you know, like the, so like a very specific type of person. Okay. So, but I love them. Like they are incredible people, but it was like so specific. So one time 
I looked, um, I did this like pull from our email software, like our CRM kind of software. And, and I tagged all of the emails we'd received in the last few months around subject matter. And I, I looked at the data and it was really interesting because like less than like 20% or something of the emails we were receiving were about our product. Like people asking questions like, how does this work? Or I love this so much. It was mostly people being like, how did you start this company? Or I, you did a Kickstarter. I want to do a Kickstarter. Or I see your blog. It's so cool. How do you take your photos? Like, I just realized that people were following us and like our story and our company because they wanted to know how to start their own company. Like they didn't care about what we were doing, you know, like, <laughs> like they did, they did and they didn't like they cared, they were paying attention, but they're more like, Oh, like, that's cool. Like I want to start a company. And so I think that was my eureka moment of like, you know what? Like, I'm glad I started this company, but this isn't what this was about. Like I just learned so much that we could pass along. And, and so we decided to start, it's like a, company that helps other people start companies. How does that first customer relationship materialize? Slowly, probably and painfully. I don't even know. I, I feel I feel like the, the thing, well, the thing that's really hard to retrace about how it feels to get our first customers in this business and Lumi the packaging is that we weren't even selling packaging for the first year of this business. Something that is kind of like hilarious and bizarre is like now Lumi is a packaging supply chain and all this stuff. And it just sounds so straightforward. Well, if you care about packaging supply chain, but anyway, it sounds so straightforward. In the first year of Lumi, our first product that we ever launched was custom manufactured rubber stamps. <laughs> this is real. We were like, we thought this was really important, like an important piece of branding that everyone needed. People loved it. You could just like drag and drop a logo and order a rubber stamp. But it's like our first rubber stamp customer has like nothing in common with our first packaging customer in terms of why they found us or anything. So that's kind of what's hard for me to retrace. Okay. So you start, Lumi starts as the rubber stamp company and then now it's evolved to this like multi-service platform. So let's fast forward to today. What is the feature stack of, of Lumi? So today... The companies using Lumi are really scaling brands who are really finding themselves needing all their different custom manufactured packaging items like managed in one place or consolidated. And they want to have access to their data. They want to know if they ordered half a million boxes, where those boxes are at any given time. Are they in production? Are they on a truck? Like, So it really actually becomes a supply chain platform that these companies are using. The software handles the moment from specification through to delivery of these custom manufactured things. So from the time you're kind of describing a box and being like, kind of want it to be yay by yay. I want it to use soy inks. Like I want it to have my logo on two panels. From that description, a spec is created. And through all the different steps that that box needs to go through to be attached to a certain facility, spec to a certain type of equipment, tooling needs to be made all these steps through to you actually having, whether it's a thousand or half a million boxes, whatever you ordered, sitting on the floor at your DC, ready to be packed and loaded. The software is handling all those steps. So I'd love, I'd love to know, and I think this would be particularly useful for our listeners. Can you walk us through one or two partnerships you're proud of? You know, How are these brands using Lumi? What does that engagement entail? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it is kind of an interesting thing of like, where do you start? You know, like if you and, and when's the appropriate time to start? So I think an interesting example that comes to mind is our work with a company called Brandless. So 
Brandless is, they sell all sorts of things actually. They came to market and it's like an online, the point is it's brandless. So, so they've got everything from like tortilla chips to pasta sauce to like pens and markers and stuff. So it's like all these different products. When they onboarded with Lumi, Lumi has on our own team, packaging engineers. We have a packaging prototyping lab. We can do testing, ship testing, etc. And so when they onboarded, the question wasn't just like, oh, where should we produce these things? Let's build out these items in your dashboard so that ordering is easier. We actually started with analyzing the packaging itself. Is this packaging optimized? We were able to reduce the total number of size boxes that they were using, like we optimize the box sizes, I think from like 11 down to seven or something like that, optimize the insert configuration so that you can actually ship some tortilla chips next to pasta sauce. You don't get a bunch of busted tortilla chips. So there's actually like an engineering phase to, and that's why I say from specification to delivery, sometimes the specification moment is elongated because you're actually optimizing the packaging itself, you know, the materials, the engineering of them. So I think that's an interesting example of like they came in the door, nothing was wrong with what they're doing, but it just, there was plenty of room to optimize it on the packaging engineering front before we even built those items out into their dashboard for them to just like click in order. If you are a shopper of virtually all the top online stores, most likely they're coming through the Lumi pipeline in summary. You said Brandlist, you have Casper, you have the top direct-to-consumer brands. So are you guys involved in the branding element as well? I always answer that question delicately because basically one way that I say it is Lumi does design execution. Like we do the packaging engineering component, design execution. We also have pre-press graphic designers on our team, meaning graphic designers who are expert in making your graphics ready to be made into print plates and to be made into the things that you need to do production. So design execution, I feel like, is where we live. So our pre-press designer will pixel perfect your design so it prints properly on a massive flexographic printing machine. But he or she will not say, oh, blue is so out, like your logo should be in green. We're not going to qualitatively lean in to saying whether we think something is right or wrong. We think that the brand should have the value judgment on their own creative decision. So it's this kind of give and take where another example of that is like, if a person comes to us and says, I'm starting a shampoo brand, just show me stuff. We would show them inspiration of other things we've done and other cool packages we love, but we wouldn't design 10 speculative weird things for them just to look at. Whereas if someone came to us and said, I'm starting a shampoo brand and I really want my box to open like a book and here's this box that I love. Can it be like this and blah, blah. We'd be like, yep, coming right up. You know, like we have to have some inspiration from you. Like we are the design executioners. Well, Got executioners. It. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that scary. <laughs> so this is obviously In Good Hands is a podcast about you know, founders and businesses working on parts of the climate problem set. And one of the big and growing issues in e-commerce is packaging. I think, I don't know what the latest stat is, but, you know, you look at a giant like Amazon, who's mailing millions of boxes every day. So within the context of Lumi, I'd love to know, how are you thinking about sustainability? How are you building it into the organization from the materials to just principles? 
it's a massive consideration. It's basically baked into the DNA of the company from day one, how we think about everything. And it, it it's arguably one of the reasons why we have pursued this direction so heavily. Like one of the things that inspires our team the most is the amount of impact that we can have as Lumi scales into a major industry player in the packaging and production space. Like we get more and more leverage to do things that we think ought to be done. So it's definitely a core inspiration. What does that mean on a day-to-day basis? And what are we doing in the product? What I sometimes get a kick out of is like the things that should be done or that we're building in are fairly simplistic a lot of times. And those are the things that have the biggest impact. So for instance, one of the things that we believe in philosophically that we're definitely building in the platform is a high degree of brands seeing what they are choosing. And what I mean by that is like in the dashboard, a brand can see the exact materials that something is being made of. They can see the uh, location that the item is shipping from and, and compared to their DC location. So how many miles is that item being transited? Like there's just data that is obvious where when you show people, they naturally opt to make better or slightly optimized decisions or, or massively optimized decisions. Like if you can buy a box from 700 miles away or 100 miles away, buying it from 100 miles away is a good idea. And oftentimes it's the same price or less. It doesn't always impact cost. It's just a choice that you didn't necessarily know you had. So I think offering people the full gamut of choices to the platform and then highlighting when the choice could be optimized. Very simple, but very powerful and something that we take very seriously. This is super interesting. So we've had several consumer-facing companies on before you. And one of the recurring themes is, you know, there is so much opportunity in kind of the broad stroke category of clean and sustainable. But A lot of the time, founders aren't thinking about the end-to-end footprints and starting at production, right? There's a ton of consideration there. So the fact that you're giving, you're just empowering prospects and existing customers with the information they need to get smarter around these decisions. Yeah. It's and just giving them the option to giving do so. Them exa- exactly. Like I just want to highlight that is sometimes what's missing. So, I mean, I've never met a founder of a company or a potential customer at Lumi who's not trying to do their best on this subject or not thinking about it whatsoever. But the reality is, okay, there's 1,200 box facilities across the US, for instance. At Lumi, part of what we do is map that information so that we can then tap in and, and help a brand understand like the pros and cons of different selections. But like if you're a founder of a company, like how are you supposed to parse the concept that there's 1,200 facilities you could run something at? There's no data set. There's nothing for you to know like, oh, this facility has solar, this doesn't. Like that, to be fair to people, what I think we're doing at Lumi is tracking this information, making it so that you can make decisions off of information like that. But that hasn't existed before. So before you're just living in a world where to give people the benefit of the doubt, it's hard enough just to start a company. Like it's hard enough to even find a box that works for your works for your product or whatever. And then to add layers in of like quizzing the factory and whether they use solar and stuff. It sometimes it's just like it's steps that are become unreasonable. So so we have to build the data. We have to build the option set in, and then people are really likely to choose those better options. But they've just not had them in the past. Jesse, this is a big deal. So I want to switch gears quickly. And again, for anyone listening, Lumi is by far the 
the best available kind of packaging supply chain partner in crime <laughs> in the industry. And you can see you it. don't do crime. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's small. I, I, I'd have to ask. I mean, clearly um, you guys have done something right. And a part of the marketing strategy, it seems, is building an audience in a community. And you have tons of content you're outputting from the podcast to video. How does content and building audience play into your marketing strategy? So yeah, I do this YouTube show called Shipping Things. I also do one called Unboxing Things where I unbox brands and all I talk about is the box, which like, I just, even when I say it out loud, like I'm like having fun saying it, like basically the, and then my co-founder Stefan runs, you know, this podcast Well Made. Basically the thing about our content strategy is that we have a ton of fun doing it. It comes naturally to us because we love doing goofy stuff like that. We love talking to interesting people. I love doing, I refer to the genre of my YouTube videos as slapstick supply chain. And, and like, I just like, I, we just literally enjoy doing it. So I think that that's our strategy, which I think like is more philosophical, which like it's a good strategy for life, which is like love what you do or something. But I think as it relates to the business, obviously, yes, like it has a business impact and we, we really love that. To us, it's about sharing our passion for something. It's like if we show people how interesting this stuff can be, then maybe it's like not boring for everyone. Like work can be kind of fun. Or like if you're starting an e-com brand, yeah, you should think about packaging. It's so essential. It, it gets forgotten until the end of the process. But maybe if we make some wacky videos, like you'll have fun thinking about it earlier. Like it's just sort of how can we make this subject come to life? That's super interesting. And I can see how there's a ton of customer-oriented business impact, but also from a hiring perspective, if you're thinking, hey, you know, Lumi's sounds like this cool company, what are the founders like? You just, you pop on a show and you're like, oh my God, like this sound, this feels like such an amazing company to work for. That has had if- an impact. I've, I've, I, we, um, we don't like survey people literally, but we've, I've asked people who have recently started like how they heard about us or what went in and you usually like they didn't actually just like hear about us by watching a random video but they heard about us or found us in some way and then they go watch the videos or something and I'm I'm as the CEO of this company I'm always wow like it's, it's something it's really something for me to process that like everyone working at my company has like watched me beat a box with a hammer or like what I don't even know like what like it's like how do you take that person seriously it seems to be working <laughs> but I don't even know how it works for them you know <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So we riffed on this uh, for a little bit before and how important uh, building in kind of sustainability first principles across the organization. I mean, both from who you look for in your people, the what you build into your software and how that's prioritized. Just broadly speaking, how are you thinking about impact at Lumi? So speaking speaking broadly, we like to quantify things. I think something about being a supply chain oriented company is like we like counting things, measuring things. Even at the office, you know, we do that. We we kind of quantify stuff like that we do as individuals. Just create this spirit of like everything matters. You know, it's not just like the big orders that we're doing for customers and stuff. So I think I think quantification back to like the more you more information you can show human beings about what is going on, the more they're like, oh, like, well, I'm going to opt for this. Um, and, and nudges can be very, very powerful. I think that we think of our impact zooming out as 
this may sound like hubris basically, but I'll, at risk of that, I'll say it, which is like, I think that we really feel as though with the philosophy and the tools we're building the software, the more throughput we can get through our platform compared to the way these products are traditionally ordered, just like over email and phone, a lot of like really fast decision-making that might not be super considered. The more we throughput we can get on the platform, the more impact we're going to have. So, I mean, that's good for us being a startup in the sense that it really feels like the more we grow, the more impact we're having. And the feeling of that is really bolstered by the leverage we have on the supply side, like the manufacturers. Given that as we scale, we have more leverage with these folks to ask for things that we think could be optimized. My example of that is something I say to people is that manufacturers will make whatever you order. So when people kind of, again, pin that blame on like, well, like why, why is there so much PVC or something being made? Something I'll say that's kind of sassy is, I don't know why is so much of it being ordered? <laughs> like manufacturers don't wake up and make random things. They, they make what people order. <laughs> so if you want to change what's being made, you got to change what's being ordered. That's where I feel like the platform has a lot of leverage because we've got the brands on the one side and manufacturers on the other. We can impact what's ordered by nudging or educating. And then the manufacturers, they're just hardworking people who want their plants to stay in business, their employees to have jobs. So if you order something slightly better, then they'll make that thing. I think you're spot on. So I, I want to ask one more question before we move on to a new round that I'm introducing to the interview. What's next from here? What What's the moonshot for Lumi? The moonshot for Lumi is that we can kind of like disintermediate all the layers that have traditionally occurred between people who want to order custom manufactured things and people who make custom manufactured things. We think the closer that they can interface through a software layer, the more intelligent the decisions between the two parties, the more education between the two parties, and just the efficiency, the overall efficiency gains are really meaningful. So the the moonshot is like, it sounds, I guess, kind of boring, but like the moonshot is that these two worlds don't have to rely on these just people in between who are making a lot of qualitative decisions on their behalf. Like both groups are actually very, very, very intelligent and just often not collaborating really well. And I think that's where you see a lot of waste. So I, for us, custom manufactured packaging for e-com is like very much like where we want to be and it's our entire focus. But to us, all the software we're building is just as applicable to custom manufacturing anything basically for anyone. <laughs> so if we get that software perfected, then we can play a role in helping clean up other manufacturing things that need to be custom manufactured in addition to boxes and stuff. We're not in any kind of rush to do that, but technically the software doesn't care whether you run custom box through it or injection molded part or something else. For all the listeners, if you want to get on a rocket ship, <laughs> lumi.com slash, what is it? Careers, jobs. Jobs. Yeah, <laughs> so, jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so Jesse... Dan, who's our producer, and I have been thinking about new kind of fun concepts to introduce to the podcast, and we settled on this idea, which is called Bullish or Bearish, where I'm going to name a trend, and within, you know, 60 seconds or less, you have to give your bullish or bearish take. Are you bullish about it, bearish about it, and why? And 
I have four different trends. It's intense. So I'm not ready. Whenever you give me the green light, we'll go. I'm you ready? Like, I'm like, I'm not ready. Like, and you're like, well, at some point you have to give the green light. Like, <laughs> like we're just going to have to pause the show. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So the first trend is online food delivery. Bullish. I'm bullish. I don't step foot into stores and I don't step foot into stores anymore like to do anything basically. So I feel like for our basic necessities, like food is a basic human necessity. I think that the concept that we want it to come to us and avoid the multi-step journey of like packing bags into the back of something, et cetera. And that actually can be more efficient. Like everyone going to park in a place, et cetera, is not necessarily the best way to spend time. So yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on that. I don't know whether everyone's going to want their foods. Like I think that there's kind of a hyper mood now of a lot of foods are fully prepped and stuff. I, I think maybe people will rewind to basics and groceries and uh, not that that isn't already big business, but overall bullish. Okay. And next trend, bachelor's degrees. Bearish. I mean, you're talking to someone who doesn't have one. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I just want a disclaimer for the audience here that like, I am not a college graduate. So I'm like, who needs that? But also, I think even if I did, I think I'll have the presence of mind to say that I don't know if I would want my child to feel the pressure. Like that's like some really critical thing for their life. I think it's just really changing. And I think it's a swing in the right direction where actually knowing how to do something is more important than a piece of paper that says maybe this person knows how to do something. And so I'm, I'm bearish on that. And I think that online, obviously, like there's everything from Lambda to you know, Khan Academy and like all this crazy stuff that you can just, if you want to be educated and you have the kind of means and the concentration can be. Love it. The next one is marijuana or, or cannabis. Wow. This is intense. Um, okay. um, I would say bullish. I personally, I grew up in Michigan and I still have this like thing in my soul where like when I, I'm, I, I've lived in California for like 11 years. When I walk around though and I see someone, I'm like, they're doing drugs. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, I like can't like turn it off. Like I can't turn this like essential conservatism in my soul like off from like coming from that environment. But I don't judge it. It's like just hilarious where I actually think it's amazing. And it's, it, and so I'm, and I'm not saying I've never done it. I'm just saying I have these like both sensations where it feels like sort of extreme to me sometimes that it's just so prolific. At the same time, I'm extremely bullish because I think it's so much healthier than so many things that people do to like relax and turn themselves off. And it's, and there's so many actual properties that seem healthful. So I'm very bullish on that. And I think that we're going to see potentially more drugs be deregulated and humans just trying to act like adults, et cetera. Interesting. The last trend in the inaugural bullish or bearish round is vegan or veganism? Whoa. I mean, again, I'm from Michigan. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, mm, I feel, I feel more bearish, I guess, on full blown veganism. I think this is maybe flying in the face of everything else. I, I don't know. I feel 
Oh, I'm like, that one's like the most, like I'm the most like in the middle, like basically because the environmental impact is extreme. And, and I think, so I would say I'm bullish on people making dietary choices that involve a lens of environmental impact. To me, I just don't know if that always swings full, like full bore into veganism. Um, I think, I guess I come from a culture where like, um, a culture, I'm not trying to overblow it. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, that let me rewind that. I, I meaning like sometimes like my sister, for instance, like lives in a place where she drives down the street and gets eggs from a lady and stuff. And like, I just think who like has these amazing chickens. And I, when I see things like that, it makes me feel like that's a beautiful thing. Like, so I see because it's so in such an intentional choice. So intentional dietary choices with impact in mind. Yes. Like bullish full blown veganism for the whole world. Bearish. Like Noted. Okay. So First of all, you handled that with with ease. Uh, I, I'm actually ecstatic that we tried this with you first because all four of your points are super thoughtful. And even though you had 60 seconds or less, it was um, I, I, no, I think I, I really do think it's going to resonate with the listeners. So thank you for participating in round one or inaugural Bullish or Bearish. Of course. Jesse, this was such a pleasure. Before we go... I want to lay out the red carpet. Is there any final plugs? Um, How can people find you? The red carpet is yours. Amazing. Um, so uh, Lumi, you can find at, you know, Lumi.com, L-U-M-I.com. Um, we have basically that on all of our social handles for the company. I'm Jesse Janet, J-E-S-S-E-G-E-N-E-T. Um, and I, yeah, I do random things online. Nothing, nothing crazy, but mainly like talking about what it's like to run a company and, and being weird. Um, and I think that, you know, for, for brands who use a lot of packaging or running supply chain issues, like obviously we'd love to speak with you. Um, I think probably more important for this, to your point, like if you are fascinated by these subjects, if you hear me talk and then you're like, I want to work on packaging supply chain, like I just have some, I have two things to say to you. One, apply. And two, like, who are you? Like, how is that the first thing you think? <laughs> Um, because well, that's, that's what I ask people when they apply to the company and they're like in their screener thing with me, which means they've already like sat with four or five other people. And what the first question I usually ask is like, how, why are you here? Like, how did this happen to you? Like you are interviewing at a packaging technology company, like in LA, like what life events led you to this moment? And they always laugh, but it's like, I'm genuinely curious, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Jesse, this was so much fun thank you for waking up at the crack of dawn of course to talk with us um i will have to do this again in 12 months yes of course thank you so much for having me wow so fun chatting with jesse seriously one of my favorite conversations yet if you enjoyed the episode please consider subscribing and writing us a review also if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show let us know. Message us on social at In Good Hands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday. <laughs>